How's everybody doing today? Are y'all excited to be in church today? Well, let's say hello to all our campuses in San Isidro, City Heights, uh, East County. Everyone say City Heights. East County, in San Marcos, Donovan State Prison, and Juvenile Hall. Let's give all those people out there a big hand. God bless y'all. Amen. Let's get on our knees and pray. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what I'm going to pray and then pray it. Uh, I want to pray, I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit would prepare your heart for what he is going to say to you and that your heart would be anticipating something that you need to hear. Can I get an amen? And uh, all of y'all in different places in your lives and your relationships and your finances and your health, but that God will prepare your heart for what he wants to say to you today about relationships as we continue this series on relationships. Amen? Lord, um, thank you so much for your faithfulness. And Holy Spirit, I uh, uh, sense this spiritual battle going on this morning. I pray that you would, uh, I know you will be victorious. I pray you prepare our hearts for what you are going to say. And that whatever distractions we have in our lives, that you would break through those distractions and speak clearly powerful truth for us. That we can receive it and apply it in our life. I pray for all the people watching online, all the people on all our campuses and prison and juvenile hall. I pray just for a moment that we would internally in our heart say, Lord, we're ready for you. That we would say in our heart, Spirit, speak to me. Challenge me. Reveal something to me. I want to be a better Christian. I want to be a better follower of Jesus. I want, I want the people to experience Christ when they experience me. When I leave here today, I want to be more like Christ, more committed to being like Christ, more prepared. So prepare my heart, prepare my mind, remove all the distractions and stresses from my life. I want to be focused on what the small, still voice of God is going to say to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at the person next to you and say, that was just for you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Let's see your Bibles on three. Count of three. Say word. One, two, three. Say word. Let's turn. Oh, one more time. One more time. Say word. Very good. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. I have um, three children and two daughters and a son. My oldest daughter is 31, then 30, and then my son is 28. And when my middle daughter was about five years old, four years old, she went into her toy box. It was like a a big plastic tub with a bunch of toys in it. And uh, she went in there and reached down in it and pulled out the Ken doll. We had, uh, someone gave her, I don't think we gave it to her, but a Ken and Barbie doll. This is the black Ken. And she said, Daddy, this is my man. Now, when you have a girl, you are her man. Can I get an amen, fellas? Uh, For all the guys in here who have daughters, just raise your hand if any campus character. When you had your daughter, wasn't it true that as soon as you saw that it was a girl, that you started to think of all the things you had done (laughs) and how easily you can kill somebody? Can I get an amen? 
So that's how I felt. So when she told me that this little brother was a man, I was like concerned because it was like reality that she was thinking about someone else other than me. So I was a little upset. So she grabbed this thing. He was like, you know, 10-inch plastic, brother. She said, this is my man. So I later on went in the thing and grabbed him and said, you know, so I hear you're dating my daughter. Uh, you got a job? And he's like this. I said, do you know the Lord? I mean, at least you got to be saved. And, and every time I asked him the question, he, you know, he wouldn't say anything. So later on, I, I, I took all his clothes off and, you know, I had to pin up. And I took all his arms and legs off because you could screw them all off and put them back in there. And she came back later. It was just his torso. She said, Daddy, Ken is dead. Ken is dead. I said, you ain't dating that brother. He's not good enough for you. But I, it, it, it dawned on me. It was the first, one of the first times it dawned on me that, yeah, that's going to happen. Relationships are normal. The question I have for you is what can we learn from the first relationship? In Genesis, God created the heavens and the earth. He created the fish, the birds, and the bees, and everything else. And then he created man, and he said it wasn't good that man be alone. And he says, I'm going to make a comparable mate for man. What can we learn? Now, we, two weeks ago, we started a series called Relationship Goals, and we, the first Sunday we looked at what we can learn from the relationship between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Last week we looked at the number one and most important thing we need to know is that to love someone or to love God is to obey God and to love someone else is to help them obey God. The number one thing, the most important thing you need to know in your whole life. Today we're going to look at what can we learn from the very first relationship because there's something we can learn. Not only can you learn it and apply it to all of your lives in relationship with uh, your spouse or whatever, but even your friends and all people. And so we're going to read a story. Let's look at uh, John, I mean, Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. God created the heavens and the earth. He created the birds and the bees and everything else. And we'll get to that a little later. And then it says in verse 15, chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden and tended and keep it. And by the way, some of you may say, do you really believe this story? Uh, absolutely. Because it had to be a first to something, everything. So where, did, where did people come from? Matter of fact, they've, they've, they've discovered by DNA that all... Uh, humans can be tra traced back to two people, genetically. The genetic uh, Adam and Eve, right now in science, they, they, they've discovered that. But anyway, yes, I believe that whether the science proves it or not, the science will finally catch up to God's truth. Verse 16, the Lord commanded the man and saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you should not eat, for in that day you shall die. And the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. Can I get amen, fellas? Because this doesn't mean you've got to have a woman, okay, <laughs> necessarily. It's not good the man should be alone. I will make him a helper, not an assistant. <laughs> I will make him a helper comparable to him. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Out of the ground, because the question is comparable to, for what? Then it says, out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called these living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to all the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. In other words, God made the man and now he made everything else. He made man on the, on the sixth day and he made man and all the animals and all the birds and all the insects are made. And he, and he made man. He says, hmm, it's not good that that man be alone because I have a purpose for him. And he can't fulfill that purpose on his own, by himself, just one person. So he brought all the animals to him. And he says, I'm going to have Adam pick which one is compatible. 
And in verse 20 it says, Adam gave names to all the birds of the air, the beasts of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. What's ironic is that Adam, people are still naming animals. To this day, we're still doing that. We're still discovering stuff and giving it a name, which is ironic. Verse 21, the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept. And he took out one of the ribs and closed, closed up the rib in its place. The rib is the only bone in the body that will actually grow back. Ain't that interesting? And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a whoa man. <laughs> because after bringing him giraffes and gorillas and snakes, he said, well, now that's what I'm talking about, God. Whoa, man. <laughs> y'all, y'all will get that later. Uh, Adam said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken from the man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. God made all the heavens, he made all the earth, and he made man, and he made Adam, and Adam was by himself. And he says, Adam is not good that Adam be alone because I have a role and a function for Adam, so I'm going to make a help or somebody comparable to him. Now, the word comparable, at least in the Hebrew, in the Bible, means that which corresponds to a counterpart or opposite. And God says, I'm going to make someone that corresponds to Adam so they can fulfill something and the reason for which I made them. Um, I was talking to someone one day and they said, what is we were talking about, what's the purpose of people? In other words, you, when you ask yourself, why am I on earth? The question you have to ask, answer before that is, why are people on earth? This is very important to understand. Why did God make people? God made people so he can have a relationship with them. This is very important for you to know. As you walk around this planet, your role in life is to have a relationship with God. And in the context of that relationship with God, that you would glorify God, that you would speak to God, that he would speak to you, that his love would flow through your life, that is the foundation of your purpose. Last week we talked about how you have that relationship is by loving God, which means obeying God. And if you could just stop right there and understand that as the foundation of your entire existence, it's not your job, it's not your money, it's not your titles, it's your relationship with God. And that God can actually walk with you and speak with you and encourage you and give you vision and purpose. Let's stop right there. That is the purpose of God, purpose of people. Now you, that, and you being made in the image of God unlike any other animals. I was, when I was a kid, I had a cat. My cat, well, we had many cats, but one of my, our favorite cats was called Chubby. He weighed maybe 30 pounds. I, I'm, I'm somewhat exaggerating, but he was about that big. And he was, he was an alley cat. He lived in our house. He was born in our house, but he lived outside. And, and he would walk across the street. He was so bad, not, well, bad in all kinds of ways. He'd walk across the street like this, and when a car came, he would stop and look at the car. <laughs> and lay, literally lay in the street and dare the car to run off. That's how bad he was. One night, early in the morning, I heard in the back of my house, and there were like four or five cats, chubby included, sitting in my yard in a circle. And their tails were doing this. And they were going, Aah! it was eerie and weird. I don't know what they were doing, but I'm going to tell you what they weren't doing. They weren't praying. <laughs> they weren't having a Bible study. They weren't, you know, praising God. They were doing some other kind of weird communication. 
God says, um, you people are the only ones in my image. You're the only ones that can love like me and speak to me. That's why you're here. Once you leave that or disconnect that from any part of your life, that, that part of your life is going to die. So here's Adam all by himself, first relationship, and he says, Adam is made in my image and we can have conversation. But it's still not complete yet. So I'm going to make a helper comparable, a counterpart, so they can fulfill this purpose. Three purposes, I'm sure there's a hundred. Number one, you know, comparable to reflect the image of God. Comparable to reflect the image of God. For all of you who have relationships and and y'all who are going to be in relationships, you are made in the image of God and that relationship needs to reflect the image of God. You were made to understand God's word, to reflect God's word, to, to, to reflect God's glory and to speak to him. But also you in your relationship. We talked uh, last week about, or two weeks ago, about lessons we can learn from the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That the Father glorified the Son. The Son glorified the Father. The Holy Spirit glorified the Father and the Son. The, one of the lessons was they always were glorifying the other person. They also respected and honored each other's roles. And they were also always unified in the purposes of God. In other words, when they, when they, when they created the heavens and earth, they were all united on that. When they had the plan of salvation, they were all united. And that we can learn that in all of our relationships, that in every relationship you have, especially your marriage relationship, that you have the very this exact same purpose for your relationship, that's God's purpose, for your family, for your finances. And once those things are off, you have conflict. That in all your relationships, including your marriage relationships and friends, that you're always going to look to glorify God, not yourself. When you look to glorify yourself, you have problems. It's called pride. That in every relationship, you're going to honor the roles of everybody, that the roles that God has given them. That's why you go to life class to find out what has God called you to do, what has God gifted you to do. That's what you should be doing. Well, I need to honor that. You need to honor that yourself, and we need to honor that in the people we have. But if you don't know those things and you don't do those things, you have a conflict because what you end up doing is creating your own purpose for your life. You end up imposing your purpose on other people without knowing God's purpose on them. And then you have conflict. So for every single one of your relationships was we want to, I want to uh, uh, reflect the image of God and our communication wants to reflect the image of God. So my wife and I, we need to love each other and honor each other just like Jesus, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit honored each other. Just like the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit were committed to fulfilling the purpose of God. Just like the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were committed to glorifying God. My wife and I were made so we could do the same thing. So here's Adam by himself going, well, I can't do that by myself. I mean, I can, I, I can do it by myself, but I can't do it in partnership with anyone like the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so God says, hey, I'm going to make you a helper comparable to you so y'all can do that. Now, can I do that with another guy? Yes, I can. Can I do that with five people? Yes, but then it goes further. So the first thing you have to ask when you start thinking about relationships, especially y'all who are single, you want to get somebody, when you're evaluating someone you want to go out with, well, is he cute or is she cute or are they tall? Do they have all their teeth? Do they, you know, do they have, do they have Tic Tacs? What are you? All those things are important. But can y'all, are both of you committed 
to reflecting the image of God in how you relate to each other? Are you going to honor each other, serve each other, be committed to fulfilling God's purpose together? Because if you don't have that, your chances of not making it went way up. Because if you don't have that and you're not looking to honor God, you're going to honor yourself. If you're not looking to glorify God, you're going to try to glorify yourself. I can guarantee you from my experience, which is limited, that every divorce, somebody was wanting to honor themselves. Someone was wanting to glorify themselves. Someone was more interested in themselves than the other person. Just trace it back. And, and we get, every time we get in, in these discussions with people, they're like, well, this person, this person. Well, what about you? Because God did not give Adam and Adam dominion over Eve. He did not give dominion over Eve. He gave Adam and Eve dominion over the environment. We'll get to that in a minute. So number one, God, has, God made Eve comparable to Adam. So they, in their unique way, in their relationship, reflect the image of God together as they reflect the image of God individually. Can I get an amen? Is that clear? So as you think, how many of y'all are single? Raise your hand. All the, and all the campus raise your hand. As, you, as you're single and you're, and you're meeting somebody, you're going to say, do you even understand what the image of God means? Well, I don't know. Well, we need to learn that. Do you understand what my gifts are, my talents are, my calling is? That is so important. You know, for all y'all who are married, do you know what your spouse's calling is, their gifts? Imagine praying for that every day. Imagine encouraging that every day because that's when they're going to be the happiest. If you've got a happy wife, you've got a happy life. If you don't got a happy wife... You're in trouble. Number two, God says, I'm going to make a helper comparable to administer the authority like God, to administer authority like God. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says, God said, let us make man, us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have a dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over everything that creeps on the ground. Here's the cool thing about God. God said, I'm going to make a light, I'm going to make the land, I'm going to make water, I'm going to make fish, I'm going to make birds, I'm going to make land animals, I'm going to make uh, 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 little bugs, I'm going to make the stars. And guess what? It's all good. Everyone say it's all good. And if we just stop right there, whether you believe in creation or not, whether you believe in God did evolution, however you created it, however you, whatever you believe, if you step back and look at what is, look at the fish, look at the snow, the desert, the mountains, it's good. Can I get an amen? I mean, it's good. Just like God said. And here's what God said. God said, I made it. It's good. Okay, Adam and Eve, I'm going to make you all in our image. You're going to be able to understand. You're going to be able to organize. You're going to be able to understand creativity. You're going to be, you're, you're going to, be able to have a relationship. And I'm going to, Adam, I'm going to make you, and then I'm going to make Eve, and you all are going to rule together. And what you all going to do is you are not going to mess up what I made. I'm not giving you dominions to do whatever you want. It already works. Don't mess it up. That's, so you have the authority 
and, and, and I'm giving you authority to rule consistent with my heart because I made you in my image, consistent with my mind because I made you in my image and I'm going to be able to speak to you and I want you to take care of it. When our first daughter was born, we have obviously three kids, as I said. When our first daughter was born, we created a room for her, a baby room. It was all clean. We had a new crib. We had barbed wire around the room. We had cameras. We had rocket launches and, and we had a little, we painted with all these different colors so it was like a salad so she, she would be stimulated by looking at all these colors. We had a little mobile thing that was sitting here so she could hit it and, and get stimulated. And what we were doing, we were creating an environment. Everyone say environment. We were creating an environment so she can grow up to be what God called her to be. Our job was to have dominion over the environment, not the person. I don't have dominion over you. My responsibility from God is the environment. It involves people, but it's the environment. So when you come, you can worship you can learn about God. You can experience God. But you are accountable to God. I'm accountable to God. God told Adam and Eve, you guys together are going to rule the environment. I already created it. I already established what right is. And so all y'all who are married, especially for all y'all who are not married, you have to ask yourself, are we both committed to living in the image of God and reflecting the image of God, but also are we both committed to creating an environment that honors God so when you walk into our home, people experience the Holy Spirit. When we have discussions that we don't agree on, that we do it in a way that honors God, that when people see us loving each other, they see the glory of God. Is that your commitment? So God told Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, I'm going to make, Adam, I'm going to make a comparable helper where you guys are going to rule because I'm giving you authority over all the earth. God has given every single one of you authority over something. And how you handle your relationships in, in exercising that authority should honor God. Can I get amen? Amen. Number three. And this is the deepest to me. God said, Adam, I'm going to give you a mate that is comparable to model the salvation of God. Um, whenever you see a man and a woman together, and fellas, I, I, we need to receive this as a responsibility. Whenever you see a man and a woman together who are married, you are seeing the model of salvation. All through the Bible, God is always the groom and the church is always the bride. And so when you are together, you are modeling salvation, the most precious relationship. And when you ask Christ to become your savior, you are actually asking Jesus Christ to say, Lord, I want you to be united as one, just like Adam and Eve were united as one. Actually, Adam and Eve being united as one came second, in the concept at least. And so he says, I'm gonna make a mate comparable to you to model salvation that I am going to exercise way after Adam and Eve were even created. God already knew that was going to happen. I'm going to give you four ways. Number one, marriage is a blood covenant. Marriage, like salvation, is a blood covenant. In Deuteronomy chapter 22, this is a very interesting verse. It was a guy, when you married your daughter off as a virgin... Because technically, if she was a virgin, when the marriage was consummated, there would be blood. And if 
a man accused, a father saying, your daughter was not a virgin, they would have to bring the evidence of that, sal- of that virginity by showing the blood on the cloth. Look what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 16. It says, a young woman's father shall say to the elders, I gave my daughter to this man as wife, and he detests her. Now he has charged her with shameful conduct, saying, I found your daughter was not virgin. And yet these are the evidences of my daughter's virginity, and they shall spread the cloth before the elders. What was so fascinating when a man and a woman came together for the first time and became one, there was bloodshed. For you and Christ to become one, it is a blood covenant, obviously. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the penalty of sin is death. The Bible says that without bloodshed, your sins cannot be forgiven. So Jesus Christ died on the cross and shed blood for your sin and my sin. And the only way your sins can be forgiven is if his sinful blood cleanses your sin. His sinless blood cleanses your sin. It's a blood covenant. When God says, I'm going to make a helper comparable, that helper, your relationship is going to model my relationship with my people. And when you two become one, it's going to model the oneness of salvation. That is why what we call sex, what the Bible calls shameless oneness, is so special because that oneness (laughs) is a symbol of our oneness with God. It is so awesome. That's why the devil wants to pervert it. Matter of fact, next week, we're going to talk about how when two people come one, how their brains actually are wired together and how when you are uh, inappropriate, have sexual inappropriate sex, how your brain will actually wire itself and prevent you from having a relationship. The sermon is called X-Men. We're going to talk about that next week. Your marriage is like a blood covenant like salvation. Marriage like salvation is also a one flesh union. Everyone say one flesh union. Turn to Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. It says, Therefore the man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become, everyone say one flesh. Uh, what we call in our, in our culture sex, God says, two becoming one. But what happens when you become one with multiple people? We'll talk about that next week. That's a big problem. God says, I'm going to make you two, not that you can just touch each other, not that you can just know each other, hug each other. I'm actually going to make you two where you are going to be so compatible physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, where you can actually become one person. Let's think about this for a minute. We flippantly on TV and movies just throw sex around like nothing. God says, I'm making it where two beings can actually be united as one being. Why is that important? Because I want you to understand that when you ask me to be your savior, me and you are becoming one. I'm actually going to live in your heart. And you're never, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. I'm not going to be over there. I'm not going to be over there. You're not going to pray a prayer and sign it on your name and now you're saved. I'm actually going to come live inside of you. And so I'm going to, Adam, I'm going to make an, a comparable mate where you can model that. And when you get married, you are modeling that. That is a responsibility of oneness is a responsibility 
as much as an act of pleasure. And when people have sex outside of the responsibility of marriage, that's where you have the problem. And it is as common as everything, but we also know the problems that come with it. God says, I'm going to make a comparable mate where you can actually model salvation and understand salvation better. Matter of fact, when you have children, well, we'll get to that here in a minute. Now, let us see. Marriage is a life-giving union. Everyone say life-giving union. Look at verse, chapter 1, verse 28. Chapter 1, verse 28. It says, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion over the fish, over the sea, over the birds there, and over everything that moves on the ground. Be fruitful and multiply. Everyone say be fruitful and multiply. He says, I'm going to give you the ability to bring life. There are many of you who have asked Christ to be your Savior, but the question is, how many of you have led someone to the Lord and given life to someone else? People say, well, I got my salvation. Now I got to learn all this information, learn all this information. God said, no, no, me and you together, it's a life-giving, I'm giving life to you. I'm birthing vision in your life. I'm filling your heart with peace. But between me and you, because you and I are together, you and Christ, now let's go share it with somebody else. Adam, you by yourself, can't happen. I'm going to bring someone with whom you can. Bring life into the world. And by the way, for all of y'all who have kids, when you have that life, that child, then you realize more than any other time the love of God in your life. Because when you bring that life into, your, into the world, God somehow, I don't understand how the heart works. I, I, through, my, through having babies and people dying, and you, you realize that there's compartments in your heart that only open up on certain times. Can I get Amen. It's like when someone dies in your family, you have a pain that came from somewhere you never had. When I met my wife, I had, I was, I'm in love. When I had my daughter, I was like, oh, snap, I'm in love. It's a whole different deal. It's a life-giving union. And when you bring that life, it helps you understand this life. And look at, look at letter D. Marriage is compatible with the celebration in heaven. Go all the way to Revelation chapter 19. In the Old Testament, God was the groom and Israel was his bride, his wife. When Israel worship other gods, the Bible says they went whoring after other gods. In the New Testament, Jesus is the groom and the church is the bride. There was always a husband-wife relationship. Adam and Eve, God and Israel, Jesus and the church, and in the end, there's going to be a wedding. It says in verse 6, and I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, the sound of many waters, as the sound of many thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb. Ooh. The marriage of the Lamb. Jesus is the Lamb that was slain. The marriage has come, and his wife, the church, has been ready. 
And to her it was granted to be arrayed in the fine linen, clean and bright, for fine linen is right, the righteous acts of the saints. And he said, right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said, these are the true sayings of God. In the end, the church, the bride, is going to go to heaven and join with the husband, Jesus. God knew this eons before when he made Adam. And he said, made Eve, you guys are going to model something's going to happen at the end of the age. So we go back to today. Number one, for all y'all who are in relationship, is your relationship modeling the relationship we have with Christ? Is it modeling the image of God, the love of God? Are you ruling whatever it is you rule, your house, your finances, in a way that honors God? Because God created you for that reason. But more so, does it model the salvation that Christ has given you, the new life Christ has given you. So when people see you, they go, man, you guys have something. And you can simply say, you can have this with God yourself. God is very consistent. And so as you sit here today, there's two, two things I'll end with. If you're in relationship or getting in relationship, to ask yourself, do you want to have a relationship with somebody here that models the relationship you have here? And models the relationship they have. Because it's all consistent. And number two, for all of you who don't have a relationship with Christ, that God is saying to you, I want to love you. I want to be one with you. I want to speak to you and transform your life and give you hope and give you life. So I'm asking you to marry me. (laughs) Whenever we pray to have salvation, we ask People pray, dear Lord, I'm a, I'm a sinner. I know my, the penalty of my sin is death. I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead. All you're doing is reciting wedding vows. Because when you have a wedding vow, you say, I, I, I promise to be your lawfully wedded husband, to have and to hold for better, for worse, for richer and for poor, for sickness and health. What you're saying to that person is, I am going to be united to you, and here are the parameters. And so in a minute, I want to give you an opportunity to ask Christ and to say yes to Christ's wedding invitation. His marriage proposal. I want to have a relationship with you. And here's the, here's the, here's the vows. You're a sinner and Jesus, me, not me, but Jesus, I'm holy. I died for you. I rose from the dead. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll love you to the bitter end, till death do you part, even though we're never going to part. Will you accept that? That's all he wants from you. And if you say, yeah, I, I want to be joined to that God, that's called Salvation. So in a minute, we're going to pray and give you an opportunity to say, yes, Lord, I want to be united with you as one. I do. I want you to come live in my heart. And I want to have a relationship with you where you change my life. So I'm going to ask all y'all on all the campuses, bow your heads and close your eyes. And just listen very carefully. God loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to be one with you. He wants to speak to you, encourage you, give you life. Will you receive that from him? If you say yes, I would like to be joined to God as one. I would like the Spirit of God to live in my heart. 
I would like Jesus to be my savior. All means the same thing. I want you to pray this prayer. And the prayer is simply like wedding vows. The prayer is simply you stating you understand the parameters of your relationship with God. In the privacy of your heart, pray, dear God, I believe that I'm a sinner and that you love me and that you want to have relationship with me. I believe you died and rose from the dead. Paying for my sin with your blood. Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Come live in my heart. Be my savior. Be one with me. I surrender my life to you. Thank you, Jesus. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if you prayed that prayer to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin, the minute I'm going to ask you to stand. And by standing, you are declaring in public, yes, I am surrendering my life to Jesus. I am asking him, the Spirit of God, to come live in me, to be one with me. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand up if you prayed that prayer. And by standing, you are declaring, yes, I am trusting my life into the hands of God. So on all the campuses, as the eyes are closed, there's going to be somebody there to pray with you. If you're in juvenile hall, Donovan State Prison, I'm going to ask you to stand on the count of three if you prayed that prayer. One, two, three. Just stand to your feet. God bless you. Very good. Stay standing. God bless you. Very good. God bless you. God bless you. Very good. God bless you. Very good. God bless you. 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 Now I'm going to ask all y'all who are standing in a minute, I'm going to ask you to come down to the altar. The rest of us, we want to congratulate them and celebrate them. So if you're standing up, come on down to the altar. Amen. Come on down to the altar right now. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Just stay right there. Thank you. Stay right there. God bless you. Amen. Come on. Let's give him a hand. Come on down. You pray that prayer. Come on down. You can stay here. You can stay here. Amen. Let's give him a hand. Let's encourage him. 